I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, hope you're well. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast with me, your host, Harry Simiou. And on this edition, of course, we're going to be discussing Arsenal's victory in Switzerland against FC Zurich in their Europa League opener. But first of all, some sad news, of course, coming out of the UK. The news broke, uh, although there were rumours slightly earlier, but the news broke during Arsenal's visit to FC Zurich, and it's that the uh, longest reigning monarch in British history, Queen Elizabeth II, has sadly passed away at the age of 96 at her home in Balmoral. She was the head of state of 15 countries at the end of her reign. Sad news, and of course, all of the UK and uh, some of the wider world is in mourning Whatever TV channel you put on now, whatever news channel you put on now, it will be dominated by tributes uh, to the late and to the great Queen Elizabeth II, whose health hasn't been great for a while. I think we all kind of got wind of that, kind of got the gist of it, especially during her Jubilee celebrations where she wasn't as present as I'm sure she'd have loved to have been. But really, really sad news. Um, She's the queen, the only queen a lot of us have ever known, as I said, the longest reigning monarch in British history, uh, someone who always carried herself with incredible dignity, but she sadly passed away. And there will be a period of mourning here in the UK to follow. And of course, uh, we'll keep you up to date with what that means for our world as well uh, moving forward. But yeah, really, really sad news. Um, and I uh, just wanted to pay tribute at the start, as I'm sure many of you will and uh, and have already in the chat box. Also worth mentioning, as well, that she uh, she was a gooner. The Queen was a gooner. Yep. She came out and said it herself. The Queen was a gooner. Once a gooner, always a gooner. Rest in peace. Queen Elizabeth II. Okay, let's turn our attentions to Arsenal's Europa League opener out in Switzerland, in St. Gallen against FC Zurich. What do we make of it? What do we think of it? I'll be giving my thoughts, sharing my thoughts on the game, of course, throughout the duration of this podcast. But I also want to hear from you guys in the live chat as well. So we're going to go straight over to the live chat. um, And we're going to say a few hellos before we uh, really uh, go into detail and start breaking it down. Uh, Big hello to Sergeant Sponge, who says, first, wow, this is the first time I've gotten in here first. Um, Lots of rest in peace, uh, Her Majesty. Lots of tributes, of course, to the Queen um so uh of course you know brilliant to see those and you can just see can't you how much she meant to so many people um kind of deja vu on the game says marquinhos should have had two assists martinelli mr sitter from his cross his crossing is insane uh he also says that Vieira was very uninspiring we'll come on to that in a little bit chris chan big hello to you uh says good match my theory is they made those subs based on the news of the queen and likely rescheduling of matches this weekend. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Because I was going to talk about the decision to bring those players on at the end of the game, what it means, what it maybe shows, what it tells us, what it might have told us. Um, But yeah, that's a really, really good point because we don't know what's going to happen with the football now this weekend, at least the domestic games. Um, Manchester United were seeking clarification 
earlier this evening whether their game was going to go ahead. Of course, uh, they were at home to Real Sociedad. They're playing at the moment in the Europa League, but UEFA insisted that the game went ahead. However, I'd expect, I would expect that the domestic fixtures this weekend will probably be postponed. Now, I don't know that for a fact. And the last I saw um, was that the EFL, I hadn't seen anything about the Premier League, but the last I read at the time of recording is that the EFL are in discussions with the government right now around what to do. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the entire domestic football calendar um, is uh, is postponed this weekend. Um, so, yeah, you know, your theory could be quite accurate, to be fair. Um Rancid Pumpkin says it was the worst performance of the season. We're lucky Zurich are such a bad side. I'm really, really disappointed. Uh, big hello to Alpha, who says, uh, hey, Harry, good evening. It was nice to meet you at the event last week. Keep up with the great work. Thank you, mate. Good to meet you too. Uh, Paul says, another frustrating performance, dominating position, but not finishing enough of the chances to make it comfortable. Marquinhos is the real deal and Vieira looks good. Good goal by Eddie. Uh, big hello to Nav as well, who joins us. Um, Amira says, uh, hey, Harry and Gunas, think we need a new coach to teach these players how to shoot from outside the box. No way you can always just glide the ball into the back of the net. A lot of people quite unhappy uh, with the performance tonight. Uh, Chris Carrick says, do they even practice shooting at London Colney? Uh, Louis joins us, who's an avid podcast listener, but says... It's the first time he's been able to watch live in a while. Good to have you, mate. Uh, this is excited to be back. Um, what else have we got? Um, uh, Chris also says, what's wrong with Gabrielle? His baby must be keeping him up at night because he looks spaced out. Um, big thank you to uh, Clock and Seb as well for your really kind words. Look, we'll come back to the chat in a little bit, because we could go on all day like this. Um, let, let's talk about the, the team selection. You know, Mikel Arteta named the side that was stronger than maybe a lot of people expected, that was, uh, you know, that was inclusive of a lot of players that you would say are first-teamers and would have been in the starting lineup and will be in the starting lineup if that game at the weekend against Everton goes ahead. Um, but I think he kind of had his hands tied behind his back when it comes to that, because... We talked about injuries sort of in the preview podcast and players that would have certainly been in the equation going into this game. We talked about that at length and what that meant and the fact that it meant that we were going to have to draft in some of the guys who in an ideal world would have got a bit of a break and a bit of a rest. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it's gone. The squad isn't very big in terms of numbers. And when you're missing three or four players, you end up in a position where you can't be as flexible. You know, Thomas Partey being out means that Lokonga is the go-to man in midfield right now. Mohamed Elneny being out means the same thing. But then beyond Lokonga, you haven't really got a reserve that you can bring into the side now and can fill that role. So he's going to have to play Europa League and Premier League. That's just one example. Emil Smith-Rowe could have come into the team and we could have given... Bukayo Saka and Gabby Martinelli arrest this evening. But again, injuries have prevented us doing that. So the lineup was Turner in goal, which I expected. Back four was Tomiyasu holding Gabriel and Tierney. Now, I would have gone with uh, with Saliba. I thought that Saliba was the one that could probably cope with playing that extra game over Gabriel. But Mikel Arteta clearly felt otherwise. Um, in midfield, he went with Granit Xhaka, Sambi Lekonga, 
two of our starting three right now uh, in the Premier League and Fabio Vieira. Uh, I mentioned Gabby Martinelli started the game as well. He played on the left-hand side. Marquinhos made his Arsenal debut playing from the right-hand side and Eddie Inketia led the line for the Gunners. Now, the bench was made up of Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus, William Saliba, Karl Hein, Alexander Zinchenko, Katalin Sirjan, Matt Smith, and Amario Kozia, beg your pardon, Amario Kozia Dubri. There you go. Um, so there was plenty of options on the bench if Mikel Arteta needed to change it as well. Um, but, you know, that's just the, the makeup of the squad. There isn't that many players that you can just throw in um, to kind of dilute it and get some of those players out. But actually, when I saw the lineup, I thought this is a pretty decent lineup because what it does by including some of those players, even if it was forced upon you, you you help with continuity. You're then able to kind of continue the same patterns of play in a lot of areas. You hope that the press will be just as effective. I have to say, I don't think the press was anywhere near as effective. And although some of the players changed, some of the personnel changed, you know, there was no Bukayo Saka, there was no Gabriel Jesus in the starting lineup. I think the one that we missed the most in terms of the pressing side of our game was obviously Martin Odegaard, because he really does lead that, doesn't he, by example. And unfortunately, uh, this evening, it wasn't quite up to the level that we've become accustomed to. Um, Granit Xhaka was named the captain of the side as well. Uh, you know, we all know he's the vice captain now. It's not a surprise anymore. It's not something that we really need to go into a lot of depth about. But yeah, just um, just good to see him being given that responsibility because I think he's earned it now. You know, he had the situation that he had. He, he went through all the shit that he did. We, as a fan base, were, were unfair on him at times. And it's come to the point now where I think there's a mutual appreciation for both sides. Granite Xhaka is always the first one now to applaud the fans, to stay back after the game and give the fans an applause. I mean, I was at Old Trafford on Sunday and um, when most of the rest of the players had gone down the tunnel, Granite Xhaka stood in front of the travelling support and applauded them for a long, long time. A long, long time. So you can see that there's that mutual respect once again between the Arsenal fans and, of course, Granite Xhaka, who's playing really, really well at the moment. OK, so how did the game go? Well, I felt... We started the game a little bit sluggishly. You know, there was that free kick where we gave the ball away. I think it was Fabio Vieira gave it away. There was that poor clearance from Matt Turner after he got a, you know, a hospital pass from Gabriel, by the way. Let's not pin that all on Matt Turner. It was a shocking pass uh, from Gabriel back to his goalkeeper. But what that did was it just gave Zurich some encouragement. Now, I mentioned that the game was played in St. Gallen, which isn't the home of FC Zurich, by the way, but they made a cracking atmosphere. They made a lot of noise, particularly behind the goal on the left as you watched it on your TV screen. Um, and I just felt like the way we started, we gave a side who really should have had no hope some encouragement. We gave them reason to believe that they could get at us, reason to believe that they could hurt us, reason to believe that this game was not a foregone conclusion. And with teams like that, who you are clearly far superior uh, in comparison to them. You you need to make them feel from the off like they have no chance. Mentally, you need to kick them from the start. I don't mean physically, I mean mentally. You need to show something that makes them go, oh, you know, we don't really have a chance here, do we? You can't allow these teams to grow into confidence and you can't allow these teams opportunities to to kind of plant their roots and then grow that confidence themselves with good play 
uh, good commitment, et cetera, et cetera. And I, th- I really think that the start set the wrong tone for the game. Um, we had an opportunity around about 11 minutes, Martinelli with a really good headed opportunity after a delightful ball from the right-hand side delivered in by Marquinhos. Martinelli's got to do better there. He really has. It just, it wasn't good enough for the Brazilian. You know, he's got three Premier League goals already this season. We know that he can score goals, you know, prior to Mikel Arteta's arrival. I think he proved himself to be pretty capable in, in the, uh, in the box in terms of as an aerial threat as well. And and that seems to have faded a little bit from his game. Is it because of us as a team? Is it because we don't give him that type of supply? Uh, maybe, but yeah, he, he had to do better there. Uh, but four minutes after that, Marquinhos opened the scoring. And what a finish it was from the young Brazilian. It, it was a goal that was perfect in terms of all of the components coming together, but all of the components being players that we were looking at as people who should have been, uh, you know, really chomping at the bit and really desperate to make an impression. Fabio Vieira played a delightful ball out to the left-hand side, gave Eddie Nketiah the opportunity to really spread his legs and get going down that left-hand side. And instead of kind of holding the ball up or looking to cut back inside onto his stronger right foot, as many would have expected, many defenders probably would have anticipated, he put an early ball in towards the far post and Marquinhos did brilliantly to get there. And despite a little bounce as the ball sort of came to him, he managed to keep on top of it, control it and found the top corner. Really, really emphatic finish. And I really, really, um, really, really enjoyed that. And then just four or so minutes after that, uh, there was a running behind from Fabio Vieira. The ball chipped into him and he lifted the ball over the onrushing goalkeeper, but it was just a little bit too much on it. And it ended up landing on the roof of the net. But at that point, you think... Arsenal are really bloody dominant here. Arsenal are really in control. We've had all of the ball. I think it was around about 80-odd percent possession at that point. But then you start to think about the Man United game. You start to think about how that went. And you start to think about the fact that we had all of the ball, all of the possession, played all of the football. But very rarely were we able to convert that possession into clear-cut chances and then goals. And you're looking at this game and you're going, right, we're 1-0 up. This isn't a very good FC Zurich side. They're fighting at the bottom of the Swiss league. I know that this is early days, et cetera, et cetera. They're only five or six games in or whatever it is. But you're thinking to yourself, we'll get, we'll probably get away with it today. But we've got to add that ruthlessness to our game. We've got to do something about it because it will keep coming back to haunt us if we can't put that right. And I don't know what it is. Is it a mental thing? I'm not sure. Is it? A lack of quality. I don't think there's a lack of quality. Um, so that's why I'm really struggling to put my finger on why we don't seem to be able to show that ruthless side and put teams to bed. And, you know, 10 minutes or so after that Fabio Vieira chance, maybe slightly longer, uh, Kieran Tierney was back having to make a last ditch block to prevent FC Zurich from equalising. And you're sitting there and you're thinking these lot have hardly touched the ball, yet they're able to go down the other end of the pitch in a swift, quick movement and cause us problems because we, as a football team, are not switched on all the time. We're we're not clinical enough. We're not ruthless enough. We don't know how to, you know, really hammer it home and put teams to bed. And we've done it sometimes. But I just, one of my concerns this season right now, even though it's really early in the season, is this lack of ruthlessness. It's really bugging me. It's bothering me. You know, I watched us play against Aston Villa. 
And, you know, we, we probably should have scored five or six in the first half and we didn't do it. We couldn't do it. I just watched us go to Old Trafford and completely dominate a Manchester United side on their own patch and not be able to take advantage of that and put them to the sword and put ourselves in a match-winning position. Instead, we had to come from behind and then by sort of over-committing to try and then go on and win the game because, again, we showed a lack of maturity and a lack of ruthlessness around understanding what a good result was, we we opened the door again and Manchester United went and won the game. And then right on the stroke of half-time, Arsenal concede a penalty. And it's a penalty from which FC Zurich score, score. And you're thinking, here we go. It was just, it was one of those things that you could just see happening. You know, we were passing the ball around nicely. It was all great in the middle third. But when it got into the final third, there wasn't all that much penetration um, the ball was just being moved a little bit too slowly, in my opinion. There wasn't enough zip and tempo in our game, which caused us a difficulty in breaking down a side that were happy to sit with a low block, whose manager had said in the build-up to the game that he knew they weren't going to have a lot of the ball, a lot of the possession, and was relying on counter-attacking opportunities. And then Eddie Nketiah makes a, a real, real forwards challenge in his own box, swings his foot to clear the ball. The player does well to to put his body in the way. Eddie and Ketia probably should be more aware, probably shouldn't make the challenge, but he did. And FC Zurich equalised. And that just galvanised the fans. It it turned the atmosphere up a notch. It, it, sort of, um, it sort of put us in a position of, hold on a minute, we're in a game here. And it should never have been like that based on the control and dominance that we'd shown up to that point. So then half-time comes. Um... And, you know, as the halftime whistle went, you could really feel the atmosphere within the place was, was um, you know, it was it was gathering pace. It was getting better. It was getting louder. It was becoming more and more intimidating. And you're wondering if FC Zurich could potentially go on and win this game. And you shouldn't be feeling that against a team that we are so much better than. And then, of course, halftime come. Now, at halftime, the announcement was made uh, with regards to Queen Elizabeth II's passing. And, of course, inside the stadium and fair play to FC Zurich because they showed class by uh, sort of putting a tribute up on the screen and, and holding a, a period of, of silence in honour of, of the Queen. Um, and then, yeah, the, the game sort of restarted and I thought actually Arsenal were seemed to regain control again a little bit at the start of the second half. Um, but again, we're struggling to make many clear-cut chances out of it. And then on the hour mark, Eddie Nketiah uh, returned uh, or had the favour that he gave to Marquinhos earlier on in the game returned because the Brazilian, after scoring a brilliant goal himself, looked up, spotted Nketiah at the far post and delivered a ball into that area, which Nketiah managed to keep on target. He headed it. The goalkeeper, maybe if he watches it back, will think he should have kept it out. But when it's such close distance, it's not always easy. But Nketiah put us in front and you think, OK, surely now this is done. This is finished as a contest. We can start to take players off. We can start to rest people, you know, all the while not knowing if the game at the weekend is going to go ahead. And we still don't know. But yeah, we were, um, you know, we were back in front, back in the lead. And you're thinking, great, here we go. Happy days. But again, we just seem to take our foot off the gas at certain moments. We're a little bit sloppy in our passing in the final third. And that means we don't create enough clear-cut chances. I'm not talking about half chances. I'm talking about clear-cut opportunities. I don't want to hear about pot shots from the edge of the box. 
efforts from impossible angles. I'm talking about clear-cut opportunities. They were few and far between again. And then on 68 minutes, Mikel Arteta makes a triple change, which Chris mentioned earlier. Could have been to do with uh, with the news and the likelihood of our game at the weekend being postponed. But he brought Zinchenko, Odegaard and Saka all on to replace Tierney, Vieira and Marquinhos. Did have my heart in my mouth on 77 minutes when Granit Xhaka was down injured. And then, of course, on 70. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 778 minutes, uh, Gabriel Jesus entered the party as well. He replaced uh, Eddie and Ketia. Look, the bottom line is tonight, we had to work so much harder than we should have. Like, we, we, we should have cruised through this game. We were a much superior side. The team that Mikel put out there was more than good enough. But when I talk about continuity and how playing some of those players that do start week in, week out would help with that, you still see the effects of changing six, seven of your starting 11. And um, and I think we really struggle with that, both on the ball, but off it as well. So, yeah, at the end of the day, my, my big takeaway is we have to find the way. We have to make sure that we're more clinical moving forward. We have to make sure that we put these games to bed. That's how you rest people. You don't necessarily have to leave everybody out from the start. You could hook people off after 60 minutes, give them a little bit of a breather, give them a little bit of extra recovery time. There's so much that you can do to keep players in good condition and good shape if you go out and you put games to bed early doors. And Arsenal, you know, have have shown in the last couple of games, even that was a very different team tonight, that we're just not good enough at doing that right now. And hopefully over the course of the season, we're not going to suffer from that. I think you could see on Mikel Arteta's face that he was visibly frustrated by that as well. Um, Let's talk about some individuals. Uh, Matt Turner didn't have an awful lot to do. I mentioned that poor clearance in the first half and I sort of was half scrolling through social media at half time. I, I flicked over to the news to find out what happened. Uh, with the Queen, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that was during BT Sports ad break, which was just repeating the same two ads over and over again, anyway. Um, and I was scrolling through sort of Twitter simultaneously, and a lot of people were really critical of Turner that they don't feel comfortable with him in goal. Listen, I don't think he was bad tonight. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he did anything wrong apart from that one clearance, which was a consequence of a really shitty back pass from Gabriel, if we're being honest. Marquinhos, obviously the star, obviously the man who will grab all the headlines, and rightly so, debut goal, debut assist, really solid performance as well. Really, really enjoyed uh, watching him. He's built like a brick shit house as well, which I absolutely love. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to see that he's much closer to being ready for the big time than I initially thought. And then a lot of people initially thought, um, and it kind of makes you think that 
you can maybe understand why the club weren't so desperate to go in and bring another winger. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have. I'm not saying that this guy's 100% ready. But what I am saying is that they would have been looking at him and thinking, OK, he's maybe not there today, but he's not a million miles off. And so do we need to go and spend a shit ton of money on what could potentially be the wrong option? Really enjoyed Marquinhos' performance. Love the way he cuts inside onto that left foot, not only to take people on, but also to put deliveries into the penalty area, put a few really good deliveries into the box. And with the right striker, and with the right people making those runs into the right areas, he can be an incredibly effective player. Um, very strong, um, very physical, doesn't get knocked off the ball very easily, and you need that in the Premier League. So, yeah, really, really encouraging signs. Uh, from Marquinhos. The other big one in terms of players that people were keeping a real close eye on today was uh, Fabio Vieira. And I've actually been sort of reading on socials post the game mixed reviews about how Fabio Vieira did. Some say he was a bit underwhelming. Some say he was really good. He was really tidy. My view is somewhere in the middle um, based on, on, on sort of how I read the game. I think with Fabio Vieira, one of my big concerns is, is that he's a bit lightweight. He's going to need to bulk up a bit. He's going to need to look after himself a little bit more on the pitch because I feel like there are certain duels in which he comes out second best as a consequence of that. You don't necessarily need to put on a ton of weight, but you need to at least learn to maybe shield the ball a little bit better, to hold people off, to get your body in the right position so that when you do go down, you can um, you can win free kicks. And so when you do come into those duels, you are putting people in a position where they have to foul you. Um, so the lightweight thing has always been a bit of a concern for me with Fabio Vieira. It's why I personally have talked a lot about him playing from either flank rather than through the middle. But there were some nice touches. There were some really tidy touches. Um, and overall, I thought his performance was pretty good. But it's clear, and it is early days in his Arsenal career, and I'm not saying I expected this or that anybody else should expect this, but he certainly doesn't dictate the tempo of our entire game. He certainly doesn't dictate the rhythm of this Arsenal team when he's in it in the same way that Martin Odegaard does. But this is a guy who got 14 assists in, in, in the Portuguese top flight last season, second only to, I think, Gonzalo Ramos. I think it was mentioned in... in uh, or was it Rafa Silva? It was mentioned in the commentaries, I beg your pardon. But either way, he clearly is able to play those killer passes. Martin Odegaard is too. But I feel like Vieira is more of a killer pass kind of player than a tempo setter. And Martin Odegaard is a tempo setter. He is someone who not only threads balls through the eye of a needle, picks people out, puts the perfect weight on many of his passes and really gets you going. But the tempo and the zip with which he does everything, is really, really important to the side. And him not being in it tonight, I think, massively affected us in terms of struggling for rhythm and struggling for uh, that tempo and that zip in our game. But Vieira's performance was was good, probably bordering on OK, certainly wasn't bad, but I still think he's got a long way to go before he's going to be dictating football matches. And maybe that isn't him. Maybe that's not what he does, but we'll learn about him and watch how he develops and understand a little bit more about what his game is all about, I guess, uh, as time goes on. Uh, Kieran Tierney played at left back. What did I make of Kieran Tierney's um, performance today? A lot's been made of his like sort of new role 
the tucking in thing. Can he do it as effectively? He tried to go on the outside a lot in the early stages of the game, I thought, up and down the touchline. I don't even think he was very effective in that. He's just not quite at 100% for me in terms of his performance levels. I don't know about his fitness. I don't know if that is a problem or an issue, but he just doesn't look the same Kieran Tierney to me. Zinchenko has got more in his locker as a footballer. There's no question about that. And maybe watching Zinchenko has kind of now made me think that Kieran Tierney is a little bit limited and maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's just that Zinchenko on the ball is incredibly good, very effective and outstanding and that it's unfair and unrealistic for me to expect Kieran Tierney to be able to mirror that. But you know, defensively, Zinchenko leaves a lot to be desired. Let's be honest. That's the truth. Um, but I don't know about Tierney when he steps inside. I don't know if we're asking him to do something that just doesn't work for him. I don't know if we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole when it comes to that. And I don't know if we need to assess the game that we're playing and not be set on one or the other and sort of you know, flip and choose based on the opponent, based on what we think we're going to be facing. But then that kind of feeds into this mindset of we're not going to play our game first and foremost. We're going to look at our opponents. And I think you need to find a middle ground there. So it's a really difficult one for Mikel Arteta right now to keep them both happy. But they both offer something different for me. Tierney is great on the outside. I think Tierney can do a good job as a third centre-back. I really do on the left-hand side of a back three. But in terms of stepping into midfield and being that, Zinchenko, I don't really see it right now as, as something that works, but maybe that'll change. And then, of course, Eddie and Ketia was someone that people were keeping a close eye on as well, because, of course, he, um, you know, is, uh, is hoping to get more minutes, is going to be our Europa League striker. Let's have it right. He's going to play that position uh, for the group stages, at least. He scored again tonight, made the mistake for the penalty, obviously, but got an assist and a goal. Uh, in the final third. So you can't accuse him of being ineffective. And a stat that I heard from the commentary, 19 goals in 40 starts for Eddie and Ketia for Arsenal. Now, people will caveat that with, well, a lot of those starts are in the Carabao Cup or in the FA Cup or in the Europa League, etc. And I get that. But 19 goals in 40 is pretty much a one in two ratio, which is pretty good for any striker. So good to see Eddie and Ketia continuing that. Um, but yeah, just a few concerns for me. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying they're concerns, but just a few red flags, things that we need to be mindful of and wary of and need to uh, work on when we get back to London Colney uh, ASAP. And um, yeah, we'll see if we've got a game at the weekend at the moment at the time of recording. I, I just don't know uh, what's going to happen. I don't know. I, I read something about what happens when, when the Queen passes away. Operation London Bridge, I think they call it. And it sort of details all the protocols and the processes and what happens and what needs to happen, what doesn't need to happen. But it's not very clear on specifics like sporting events, et cetera, et cetera. Because I, I know a lot of you are asking me again what the deal is with that. But that I genuinely don't know at this moment in time. But we will, of course, keep you posted. Um, so those were kind of my thoughts. Look, a, a, an OK performance at times, a bit underwhelming at times too. Certainly not ruthless enough. Certainly not clinical enough. I think we tried to include, or, or, you know, we had to include to a certain degree some of those players, but I think Mikel Arteta maybe included one or two more than he needed to to try and continue that continuity. Didn't really work. Um, you know, the performance, I think, 
in spells suffered. We were controlling for the first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, but you know, it, it never really amounted to anything in terms of chances. And that was, um, that was irritating, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was frustrating to see because we've, we've, we've been down this road before. We've seen that story um, a million and one times. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's, um, let's go over to the chat. Let's get you guys' thoughts on tonight's performance. Any questions you've got as well, chuck them in the chat box. A big hello to Big Mad Andy who says, I've heard rumours of a 12-day break, but not a solid source. So that Operation London Bridge that I mentioned is a 12-day thing, uh, but I don't know how long there won't be any sporting events for if that is what happens. Uh, someone said to me at work earlier today that there could be nine days without football. I had two radio games to cover um, this weekend and I've been moaning um, about how busy I've been of late. Not moaning, but, you know, saying like I need a day off. I didn't want a day off under these circumstances, though. Um, it looks as though I'm going to get one. But anyway, uh, Russ says, uh, trust me, Harry, there'll be no football this weekend. Um, you know, I, I don't doubt you, mate. I think that that, that could well be uh, the situation. Uh, Big Mad Andy also says, will the other leagues uh, go ahead as normal? No. Well, the other European leagues, I'm sure, will go ahead. There'll be no issues there. Um, but of course, the, the Premier League and, and the EFL, I'd imagine, are going to stop. Uh, the EFL, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, are in discussions with the government this evening about how to proceed. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Saswat says, uh, if Lino Sosa can step up, I think we have a potential Reese James on our hands. He plays the Zinchenko way perfectly, just that he's barely 17, hopefully next year. Really, really interesting player. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing more of him, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, Kev Rooks says, hi, Harry, pleased for the win, but still some frailties in how we played. It's very Wenger-esque, lots of possession not any real end product and frail at the back. A few of you have said in the um, in the chat that um, that Gabriel was poor tonight. There were a couple of moments, weren't there, from him where he just gave the ball away cheaply, needlessly, lost jewels. But against this team, he was good enough to um, you know he was good enough to sort of get back and salvage some of those situations against this caliber of uh, of opponent and player, but. Yeah, uh, there were frailties defensively as well. And there were frailties defensively at Manchester United. You go to Man United, you can see goals. It isn't like something that you, you, you'd necessarily look at as being the end of the world. But what I would say is the nature of those goals was worrying. It was concerning. When Mikel Arteta first came in, one of the things I thought he did really well was make us better in dealing with the transition. He talked about it a lot at the start. There was clearly a lot of work that went into that, there was clearly a lot of emphasis on making sure that we improved in that area and in that department. And as we've got bolder and braver in our own approach, in the way that we push forward, in the way that we squeeze teams up, in the way that we press high up the pitch, I feel like maybe some of that has gone by the wayside. And maybe some of that work has just started eroding because we were very good in, the tr in dealing with the transition, much better than we have been it had been in the Wenger years, in the Emery years as well. And um, that just feels like it's disappeared a little bit because any threat that Zurich posed tonight came off the back of them breaking away very quickly, very sharply. And they didn't have to 
come up with an awful lot of creativity or guile to create those moments and opportunities. They're big channels, big holes, big spaces to run into. And particularly with Rob Holding at centre-back tonight rather than William Saliba, who isn't quite as quick across the ground, isn't going to eat up those channels in the way that Saliba does. We got caught out. Um, didn't really amount to anything, but yeah, uh, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to overreact about something that didn't happen, but there are definitely red flags to take away from this game and things that we certainly have to work on ahead of our next meeting with a, a stronger opponent. Uh, Dimitri says, Harry, would you sell Tierney if given 30, 40 million next summer? I would in a heartbeat. Yeah, I probably would. But not because I doubt his quality as a player, because I'm, I get incredibly frustrated with these availability issues. That's why. Um, I don't think you'd get 30, 40 million for him on that basis right now. And I know that's crazy because a year ago, people were talking about him as being one of the best left backs in the world. He can get back to that level and I hope he does soon, but I just don't see him at that level right now. Um, Angel Hernandez says, just tuned in, Harry. What did you think of Vieira and Marquinhos? I won't repeat it because the people that have been watching will kill me, but rewind the show. Uh, and you'll get my thoughts and my takes on those guys. Um, Deflected Mind says this might be off topic, but Arsene Wenger was the reason I started supporting Arsenal. Harry, how long will he be away from the club? Is there a chance of him returning in any position? I don't think he'd ever come back in an official capacity. Um, but I think it would be really nice, wouldn't it, to see him back at least at the Emirates to watch us play. And, and that hasn't happened yet. And that doesn't really sit right with me um, as an Arsenal fan and as someone who's incredibly appreciative of all the work that he did for the football club. Look, just uh, going to take a short pause and switch our attention over to our good friends over at Football Prizes, who currently have an excellent prize up for grabs. It's a Thierry Omri and Dennis Burkamp signed and custom-framed Arsenal shirt, plus the opportunity to win an instant win prize. Tickets for this one are 9.95 and there are 99 tickets available. The competition ends on Wednesday, the 14th of September at 7.30 p.m. However, as uh, is normally the case, these competitions don't tend to run that long because people buy up all the tickets and then they're gone. And once they're gone, they're really gone. Uh, so head over to Football Prizes. The link is in the description below. And of the 99 tickets available, there are 50 uh, or 49 now remaining. So if you want to get involved, now's the time to do it. It's a great prize. What a an amazing thing that would be to have on your wall. Okay, uh, big thanks to Football Prizes. Can I just ask you guys as well, because there's over 400 of you with us live right now, to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. Let's try and get up to 200 likes at least. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do, because we're really close to 24,000. I think we're about 15 away at the start of this stream. Hopefully we can get there. Uh, maybe by the morning. I don't know. Uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But yeah, give uh, give it, give it the channel a subscribe. And I keep mentioning to you guys the new membership platform that we've been talking about, and we are ready to go. So from next week, you'll be able to take your membership away from here and over to there. You'll get much more for it. You'll get much more access, and you'll get um, a much better system to use as well. Um which, uh, you know, will increase the membership experience. Uh, the Discord server will stay, of course. I know that it's a really nice little community and hub now as well, and I wouldn't want to change that. 
but I'd love to get uh, as many of you guys over as possible to that. And anybody new who would love to join uh, the Chronicles of Aguna membership family, I'd love to have you. Uh, and that includes our audio listeners as well who couldn't previously join under the uh, the old system. So um, that's one of the big reasons that we've decided to move it over. But all will be explained in the introduction video that is going to drop at the start of next week. Uh, Patrick Carlson uh, says, any news on if the games in the weekend are off, as I've said a few times on the show today? Um, don't know right now. I'd be surprised if they went ahead. I'd be surprised if the games took place based on, obviously, the news uh, that has broken this evening. Okay, going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Arsenal get off to a winning start in the Europa League. Bodo Glimt hold PSV to a draw as well at the Philips Stadium, which means Arsenal are two points clear at the top of Group A going into match day two, where we'll take on the Dutch outfit. There'll be a much tougher proposition, despite their disappointing result this evening, than FC Zurich. I can tell you that for free and uh, very much looking forward to that game at Emirates Stadium next week i'll uh, leave you all to it enjoy your evening uh, hope you've enjoyed the reaction uh, to the game as well remember leave a like subscribe to the channel if you're new check out football prizes and i'll catch you all tomorrow with uh, some more arsenal and football related content until then take care of yourselves all the best i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.